This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Helier's. Calamero is one of Auckland's best rated pizza shops, and you can order online now at www.calamero.co.nz. That is C-A-L-I-M-E-R-O.co.nz. Or just pop in and see us. It is Saturday, the 29th of February, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 74 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Let's get straight into it. Obviously, what we're going to talk about today is the situation in the markets at the moment. When I'm sitting in my computer, the US market closed just just recently, um, and it's down... You know, it's bounced off its lows, but it's down nearly 16% in about seven trading sessions. And it seems to be the trend these days. It's like a consistent march upwards and then you're punctuated by sharp sell-offs. Um, I, I personally think that there's a consequence of passive investing. You seem to get a situation where people were contributing to their accounts on a small but regular basis, and that pushes stocks consistently higher. Um, but then you get this mass herd mentality when the selling starts, because if you just contribute on a small and regular basis, you're not really sure why you're doing it, then everyone just sells out at the same time, and then the selling brings more selling, and then you have a material move. Um, and it, it is a material move. Obviously, it, it's in, it's triggered by the situation with the coronavirus. Of course, it's not the virus itself that's causing what has turned into a major sell-off. It's the, it's the reaction to the virus. So I'm not going to deb- debate the severity of the virus from a medical perspective because I'm, I'm not from that background and I'd, I'd literally just be repeating what other people say. It'll be pretty pointless. But the reaction to it is the key. You know, when you're talking about things like cancelling the Olympics, I mean, can you imagine cancelling the Olympics? I know they're only talking about it, but, you know, I, the Olympics has happened every four years like clockwork since the Second World War. I'm not sure if there's ever been... If, if it's ever been mentioned before that the Olympics could potentially be cancelled. Or when you're talking about, you know, the government banning flights out of a country like China. I mean, has that ever happened before? I don't know. So it's, it's serious stuff. You know, Apple's closed, shutting down stores in China. You know, schools are closing in Japan, apparently. You know, just think about if any of one of those things happened, if it happened in isolation, then it'll be an international story on its own. So it's all happening at the same time. So the sell-off that's happened in the market, in my opinion, it's not unsurprising considering the economic impact that the virus is having. It's, it's been pretty broad as well. I don't think there's been any sector or industry that has held up well in the markets over the last week. I think that you know, that might also be a result of where we're at price-wise at the moment. Things aren't cheap. And even after a 15% sell-off, I don't think the market is cheap in general. Um, so I think anything other than a quick resolution to the coronavirus and a continue in any continuation of the status quo will have a major impact on the economy. I mean, just think of uh, about a few companies that you might own and, and how this could impact their business. You know, Sky City, for example, I went to the casino last night. You know, I don't normally go to casinos, so it seemed pretty busy to me, but the, the table jockeys were telling me that it was very dead for a Friday night. Or, or think about Auckland Airport or, or Air New Zealand, those sorts of companies, you know, it's, it's, it's a direct impact. Um, and those companies are such an important part of our wider economy that when there's a direct impact on them, it has a direct impact and a flow-on effect for the rest of the economy. Um, you know, I mean, my holdings in Booking.com have been absolutely slammed over the last few weeks, which is understandable. You know, they're going to make less money this in the, over this next quarter because of... Well, they're going to make less money this year probably because of this. So it's... Like I said, it's not just these individual industries, it's the wider e- economy that is, might, might be impacted. And, and 
that's what happens when you when you get a slowdown in, in industry. I remember back in was the end of two thousand fifteen when the um <clears throat> when the oil industry slowed down and had a had a flow on to the rest of the economy and industries that are not directly related suddenly feel the pinch i mean i'll probably end up selling less pizzas for example so i think it all depends on two things first that is the current reaction to what if, if the current reaction stays the same and by that i mean you know more tightening and more restrictions on the economy and the second is how long it goes goes on for. I mean, I think if if the impact on the economy stops next week and then it's just business as usual and we just deal with the virus as we deal with it, then, of course, it, it will probably be quite short term. Um, I mean, the the impact on, on on the stock market can actually be different to the economy as well. So even though we've had a 15% correction already, the outcome for the stock market could be different. You know, we might, for example, see lower interest rates because of this. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the central banks step up and try to stimulate the, uh, the the economy because it's going to have an impact on the economy. So I'll, I would personally build a watch list of interesting companies that, you know, I think a lot of the companies, even though the prices are dropped, they're not that cheap. Um, but if, if things keep on going, there could be particular companies that, based on their market cap, it gets to a point where the normalised cash flows make them cheap. So an area I'd be looking at, for example, is anything that's related to travel. Um, you know the 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 direct things. There's there's been, or already some of those prices have been slashed, and if it keeps on going, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that if this continues, that the stocks in the space get really really cheap. Um, obviously, what what do you do then? I mean, I'm not running out and selling. I I, I wouldn't, and I'm not changing anything that I'm doing. Even though my stocks are definitely worth less today than they were this time last week, I can tell you that much for free. Um, despite the definite short and medium term impact for the virus, or at least the reaction to the virus, it shouldn't have any long term impact. I mean, if you're looking to hold your stocks over the long term, then you're going to experience these sorts of sh- short term upsets in the price of your stocks. You know, you do not know what what it might be, but there will always be something. At the moment, it's the coronavirus. In the future, it'll be something else. So I can I can guarantee it's it's this sort of thing is going to keep on happening. Um, watch the prices though. Keep an eye on what is happening with companies that you've been looking for an opportunity to buy because this sort of thing will probably throw up some pretty good opportunities and maybe it already has, but let's see how it goes. The other big thing that happened during the week is that you had um, the annual letter from Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett. Um, it's always a, a favourite in the in, investing year for me. Um, so it's always a it's, it's a must read and any any serious investor I think will go to berkshirehathaway.com and and read it. Um, an interesting thing that he, he he spent a lot of time this year talking about the accounting change they've had over there in, in terms of stock market gains being reported as as net income. Um, he's obviously not a fan of that and he's just urging people not to look at that. They reported saying like 81.4 billion <laughs> in, in net income and, and most of that was about 50 billion of that was because of the increase in their in their stock prices and he's just basically reminding everyone to focus on the operating earnings as the as the key metric to I guess judge how the business is going and operating earnings were pretty much flat. Um, talks a lot about retained earnings as well um, this is and the importance of retained earnings and he actually heads it up the power of retained earnings and obviously for those that don't know what retained earnings are that's just income that's kept in the business to normally grow the business or, or improve its value um, 
so I guess there's three things companies can do with their earnings if they don't have any debt to pay back, for example. They can pay a dividend, they can buy back shares, or they can reinvest into the business. So we're talking about the essentially the, the capital expenditures. And obviously, a company that can keep on reinvesting in the business and re- re- achieve a good return on that business is, is what return on that investment, sorry, is what you want to be investing in. And that's what Buffett was getting at in, in his letter. So I, I definitely recommend having a read of that. It's, it's a part of the market. No, it's not the part of the market. It's the part of investing that I find most difficult is assessing the value of the capital expenditures because in my view there's there's two types of capital expenditures there's the capex that you make that you just have to make to keep the business solvent so an example for example in my pizza shop you know if if the fridge broke down I'd have to buy a new fridge and that's a capital expenditure but it's not actually doing anything to increase the the earning power of the business for example but then I could go make another capital expenditure that would have a direct return on my investment and you know, that would be a capital ex- expenditure where I'm getting a return from. And they're two very different things, but they're sort of almost, they almost look the same. I remember we did a tour of the warehouse, um, the warehouse distribution centre, and I asked the CFO that, I said, what percent, percentage of um, with the warehouse's capital expenditures are standing still and, and what are standing still expenditures, you know, in, in retail that's, for example, doing up your stores all the time and, and stuff like that just to sort of stand still. And what percentage are... Is, is to invest and grow the business. And he reckoned, he, he said to me it's about 50-50. Um, and assessing those capital expenditures is, is a, I, I find it the most, one of the most difficult parts of investing. So if we remember last week, we talked about the capital expenditures on Spark's balance sheet, on, on Spark's cash flow statement, and how much, if any, that they were contributing to increase the cash flow in the future. And that's a really difficult part because you don't really want companies investing that money if they can't get a return on it um, or, you know, if, if they don't need to. So, it's, and that's why the, I guess, the, importance of the CEO, their biggest responsibility is that capital allocation. So are they allocating that cash flow in the best interests of shareholders? And it's amazing, you know, if you if you're buying a say if you're buying a, a company with a ten percent cash flow yield, um after after ten years, you know, that's a hundred percent of the value of the company that the CEO has to reinvest. So or 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 distribute to shareholders. So it's it's a really fascinating part of the market that is is once you wrap your head around that and you figure out what companies are going to go through the capital expenditures and what ones are just going to stay still and which ones are investing them wisely and which ones aren't then you know that's the that's that's a really important part of investing and Warren Buffett always points out that you know seize candy which is one of his famous first times he bought a, an operating company he, he's always said that they've never really reinvested in seize candy because it was they felt it was almost impossible to grow so what they did is they, they took the income that seize candy has generated and reinvested in other businesses and that was a smart capital allocation decision and he, he's able to do that whereas in their regulated utility businesses they're reinvesting all the money directly back in and I assume it's because they believe that they can make a return in a similar way that Infratours reinvests in, in, in Wellington Airport they re- reinvest virtually from what I understand all the earnings back into the airport because they believe that they can achieve a return from it so it's, it's an interesting one the, the, the CapEx um, it, it's 
you, you really want a CEO that's a great capital allocator. That's one of the most important things. And if they're not a great capital allocator, you almost want them to, to do just what they can to maintain the business and send the best the rest back to you as, as a shareholder. You know, if if Berkshire Hathaway had paid out all its earnings from like the 60s or whenever as dividends, you know, it never would have retained any of its wealth and turned into the compounder that it has. Um, so that that's that's the difference. Um, the dividends are great, but you really want a company that can reinvest the money that they would pay our dividends and 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 get that power of retained earnings that Buffett talks about in his letter. Right, that's about all we have time for today. Many thanks again for listening to the podcast. It'd be really interesting to see what the next week brings with the with the coronavirus there. As a reminder that nothing that we said today should be considered financial advice. If you want to find out more about the podcast, go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give us a like on Facebook. Make sure also to share it with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 74 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Saturday the 29th of February 2020. We'll see you all again next week.